The online social media world has become a new public square, whether we like it or not. Ideas are being presented, conversations are being had, and worldviews are being shaped by the things that we and so many others around the world are putting online. Today, our conversation is with two people who are passionate about online engagement to learn how we can be effective advocates for preborn children in these unique spaces. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. My name is Peter, host of the show, and with me again is Cameron Cote, my good friend, my wonderful co-host, and uh, wow, well, he's a model in that brand new t-shirt oh, there. How are you, sir? They are good, good t-shirts. Very excited about our merchandise that has come in. We have three different t-shirts that you can check out. We've got water bottles, we've got mugs, we've got travel mugs, a um, lot of stuff in the store. Check that out, prolifeguys.com slash merch, I want to say, or slash shop or something like that. Peter, you can correct me. Slash shop. Yeah, prolifeguys.com slash shop. Yeah, so fired up about that. Fired up that the Houston Astros did not win the World Series last night at the time of recording. <laughs> and so... So we don't have to worry That's about right. any scandals around that. Huge shout out to the Atlanta Braves. Um, big fans there, but that's probably not why you tuned in. You tuned in to hear <laughs> Peter and I talk about some pro-life stuff. And today, Peter, we're doing some something a little bit different. We, we often talk about something that happens on street corners and on doorsteps. And hopefully your online activism isn't happening on street corners and on doorsteps or else you're going to get run over by a car <laughs> or <laughs> pushed out of the way by your sibling who is trying to get past you to get in back inside the house. Yeah, that's right, Cam. We are passionate about having good conversations and equipping others as well to have good conversations. You and I have seen time and again, and as I've mentioned so many times before, we've seen people have terrible conversations and just sort of a bad witness uh, on the topic of abortion. And our goal here on the podcast has been to equip people to have those good conversations where you can actually see people change their minds, see lives saved and see a culture transformed. But as I mentioned off the top of the episode, we live in a world where social media platforms, be it Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, Discord, and so many others, uh, are a new public square, a new form of a public square, and perhaps a more, um, a more important one in terms of the sharing of ideas. And so we want to talk about how we can use effective apologetics in an effective way on these online platforms. So Cam, we have uh, a social media online engagement team. I don't know if that's the, the right term for it, but we have one as the Pro-Life Guys podcast. So could you share um, maybe briefly what the, the goals of this episode are going to be, but also what the online social media engagement team actually does and, and what it Absolutely. is? Absolutely. So there's three core goals that I, I'm hoping that we can um, press through on this episode here. The first goal is... If you're spending time on social media, we want to empower and encourage you to use your time in a way that is going to shape people's worldview so that they don't kill their preborn children. We want to help you spend your time a little bit more usefully on social media because if you're anything like me, I spend far too much time on social media not doing anything productive. I spend a lot of time um, just scrolling and, and liking random stuff. As I mentioned, I spend far too much time looking at MLB baseball content and other sports content and whatnot. And so, first of all, we want to motivate you and empower you to use your time on social media better. Second of all, we want to give you some training and tools for how you can use your time better so that you're not just 
running like a bull in a china shop, um, trying with with your heart of hearts and, and best intentions to make a difference, but not really engaging effectively or not engaging in the most useful way, um, because your time is valuable. And, and it makes no sense to um, use your time in a way that isn't going to produce the best return on investment. And so the second thing is to give you some tools this episode for how to better engage um, online. And third, as you mentioned, Peter, we have an online action team, Pro-Life Guys online action team, which meets regularly to offer not only training and encouragement, but also mobilization so that you can be kind of angled in the right direction if there's posts that we're seeing that deserve pro-life response if there um, are engagement opportunities that we want to take advantage of. As you mentioned, Peter, there's a lot of people who are commenting online. And as I'm sure we're going to get into today, the conversation is happening, whether we're part of it or not. And so we desperately need more capable, equipped, confident, and ultimately competent um, people engaging online. And so we're going to be doing a big recruitment drive this week, not only through this episode, but also through our Humans of the Pro-Life movement that we're posting this week as well, to recruit people for our online action team. That doesn't mean that you're having to sacrifice a tremendous amount of time if you're not in the position to do so. This is a way for you to be part of a community is offering encouragement, um, support, help in your commenting on your engagement. Um, and and go from there. And so that those are kind of the threefold goals of this episode, Peter. And I hope that walking away from it, you will be, and I'll mention again, first of all, empowered to use your time on social media better. Second of all, uh, get some, some good tools for how to do that better. And third of all, you're invited to join our online action team. We're going to have an application form in the show notes. And so you can check that out. Perfect. And to do that, we are going to have two of our friends on who are going to share tips, tricks, uh, just sort of a, a, a a holistic picture of the best way to engage with others on the topic of abortion online. The first one is our friend Blaze Elaine. He's a genius. He's the Eastern Outreach Director at the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform. He has been, this is his fifth time on the program, which gives you a bit of an indication of how much we like him. And a fun fact about Blaze, uh, if you watch our episodes on YouTube, you will find out that every time he comes on the program, <laughs> he has a different hairstyle. So um, I don't know if anyone's keeping track, counting hairstyles, but <laughs> but that's Blaze Elaine for you, a good friend of ours. Our second guest is Quiana Casamayor. She is a wonderful colleague of ours. She works in the same office that Cam does uh, in Calgary. She's the Calgary Volunteer Coordinator. She was featured on Humans of the Pro-Life Movement. Uh, Cam had a great conversation with her as well, and she is one of the one of the the per people spearheading this uh, online engagement team behind the scenes. She does a lot behind the scenes, uh, including for the Pro-Life Guys podcast uh, with the online engagement team uh, that many people don't know. But here she is front and center. We're going to have a conversation with her and Blaze on how you can be an effective pro-life activist online. Koyana and Blaze, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited for this conversation. Yeah, so great to be back on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to have you both on again as well. Now, one of the things that we've noticed over the past year during the pandemic, during uh, the lockdowns that we've been facing, and just looking at some of the ways that organizations like ours, the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, is still trying to reach people where the people are when we can't go door to door, when we can't go to street corners at various points throughout the last year. Uh, one of the things that we've seen, and we've done this as well, is 
focus on online engagement, online activism. Now, I know there's a lot of discussion about the effectiveness and, and whether this is something that we should actually do. But I'm just wondering, uh, maybe we'll start with you, Blaze. Why would you say that we should do online activism? Yeah, I think some people ask, you know, uh, should we be having these conversations about abortion online? And the reality is that these conversations are already happening online. The question is whether we're going to be there or not. So I think because people are already talking about abortion online, it's super important that we can bring effective pro-life apologetics into that conversation that's already happening. So that might be a conversation that we're starting because people already have their attention on social media throughout the day. Or it might be a conversation about abortion that has started because they've seen us offline on the streets doing activism and they're talking about abortion after seeing the photos. Either way, whether we're trying to start a conversation about abortion online or join a conversation about abortion online, um, when people are spending their time on social media and having some of these conversations already, I think it's super important that we bring pro-life apologetics, we bring the science and the human rights and effective dialogue tactics into those conversations so we can reach people with the truth about abortion on social media as well. Yeah, and, and one thing that I'd love to follow up, and, and Quan, I'm going to throw this to you because I uh, something that you and I have spoken about before, about the idea of the people sometimes that we're able to engage online might not necessarily be the exact same that we're able to engage um, with on street corners and on doorsteps. So what I mean by that is that at CSPR, we've been doing some data collection for the outcomes of conversations at Choice Chain and whatnot. And what we find is that like, 40% of the people that we talk to at Choice Chain are already pro-life and that like 25% of them support abortion through all nine months pregnancy and all that kind of thing. But it's not necessarily reflective of the, the general population. And, and so I'm wondering what your thoughts are on who we can be engaging in and whether or not social media actually gives us an opportunity to engage more than who we may be able to engage through our conventional projects through street activism, I guess. Yeah, I think we definitely get to reach other people. I've talked with people that are in completely different locations. I've talked with both pro-lifers and pro-choicers who don't um, have in-person activism in their neighborhood or in their city. And so it's really cool to be able to reach those people, even without traveling across the country or into a different country. Um, I think it also works really well hand in hand with the activism that we're doing, because I know some of the people that I've talked with um, saw us out on the street and didn't stop to have a conversation, but then later were paying attention either to my posts or to our other volunteers' posts and had their mind changed to that ongoing conversation and that ongoing interaction. And so even for the people that we have met, um, to continue that engagement with them. Yeah, I, I think that's bang on. And Peter, I'm going to throw it to you in just a moment. And it, but it, it just makes me think of one of the things that we haven't been doing our, our outreach at high schools of late, but I, I think often of how social media can be a little bit like a high school where you've got like 50 kids all surrounding your, your display and listening in to conversations. That's kind of weird for complete strangers to do at Choice Chain downtown sort of thing of like, I have no idea who you are, but I'm just going to listen to your entire conversation. But I feel like social media might actually give us a bit of that opportunity as well. I'm sure that we're going to talk about that a little bit later in, in the conversation here. But I feel like that's something that, that just stands out to me that we're not able to replicate that, especially during this COVID era of not a whole lot of people wanting to bunch up anyways. Um, 
let alone the likelihood of some neighbor coming over and listening to an entire conversation that, that we're having on a doorstep sort of thing. And so it probably gives us that opportunity, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, I think that the invisible audience is very important and very present when you are having conversations online. Um, oftentimes you don't see them at all, but sometimes you'll get the likes on different comments or people will jump in and out of the conversation. And it's always cool to know that you're reaching even more people than those who are going back and forth in the conversation and maybe giving them food for thought or something that they're going to take away and look up themselves, which is really cool to reach that wider audience. Yeah, that's that's great. And we want to get into some of the do's and don'ts and sort of practical tips that we can use when we're having these conversations. But I wonder if we can take a step back for a minute, because when we talk about social media, we're sort of talking about social media as like a thing. Um, but in reality, when we look at social media platforms, there are different platforms that sort of promote or, or, or highlight different elements. Some are easier to have conversations on. Some are very much not easy because they limit characters to 150 words or whatever in the comment section. And um, there's just a huge variation when it comes to social media platforms. So Blaze, I'm wondering uh, if you could sort of touch on how we are to think of the different social media platforms. What are we to look for? What platforms might be more useful to having an effective dialogue where we're not only engaging with the person, you know, back and forth in the comment thread, but also having a good sort of engagement that the silent audience could witness as well. How are some of the ways that we can think about some of these different platforms? Right. So when it comes to the platforms, I think it's really important to be familiar with the platform, like be a user uh, yourself. So you kind of know what the proper etiquette is and you know how it works. And then, um, you know, for, for me, when, when I was thinking about technology in general and these kind of social media platforms, I used to think, you know, it's just a tool. It depends how you use it. But the reality is that these tools are designed in different ways to promote certain things, right? Like think of that little like rush you get when you see the like on a comment compared to if someone hits the laugh react when you were saying something serious on Facebook, right? Or, um, or on Twitter, how it's full of people just quote tweeting other people and kind of taking uh, shots at what they said, right? Like there's, there's certain kinds of conversation that is, um, that is encouraged. And I think that we need to be familiar with that so we can think really intentionally about does this help or does this hinder my ability to reach somebody else on abortions? And if it helps, we can use that part of the platform to our advantage and if it's going to get in the way of reaching the person, we can be very conscious and intentional about it. Like maybe I shouldn't quote tweet and make fun of somebody that I'm talking about on Twitter or like <laughs> do that very sparingly if I'm really trying to reach the person, you know? Um, so we can go out of our way to, uh, to make that personal connection even when it's mediated by these networks because we don't have our tone of voice. We don't have body language. We don't have eye contact. So we often have to go out of our way to remember the person on the other side of the keyboard on, on the other mobile device and um, make sure that we are, uh, you know, communicating in a way that's going to reach their heart and mind, despite whatever, uh, whatever that social media network is going to uh, promote or discourage in between. Gotcha. That that makes a ton of sense, Blaze. And I think that just to unpack that a little bit further, I, I I'm sure that there's different things that we can achieve through different um, 
kind of opportunities as well. I, I think about whether it's more visually oriented, whether long form conversation is more appropriate on it. And and we're going to talk about some tools and, and application as well. But Quinn, I'd love to throw it to you as well, just to to think about, because I know that a lot of what you have done is actually engaging with pro-lifers as well and and looking at who is engaging online and maybe offering some of this feedback when it comes to, okay, this person is violating some of, Blaze, as you put it, some of the etiquette rules that, that may be out there when it comes to on Facebook, or maybe they're setting themselves up for um, uh, a counter argument that, that's far too visible, but somehow they're not seeing. Maybe, Quinn, if you could talk a little bit about how online engagement isn't just about um, engaging abortion advocates, or, or maybe the, the different ways that you have engaged online and what that has looked like on different platforms, I guess. Yeah, um, I definitely think that if we're going to call people who are pro-choice out to have good conversations, we should definitely call people who are pro-life up to a standard of having good conversations also. So um, there are definitely times at which people are engaging in conversation but aren't being super helpful or aren't really uh, talking about the topic of abortion but are rather engaging in in name-calling or things like that. And it is, I think, all of our responsibility to kind of man our own side as well and just encourage each other like, hey, let's actually stick with the points this person made. Let's be gracious um, and generous in the replies that we're making. And also cautious, as Blaze said, we don't have our facial expression. We don't have body language or even the tone of our voice. So sometimes unintentionally things come off as sarcastic or rude that we weren't meaning to. Um, So definitely encouraging people on the pro-life side to just be careful how you engage with others so that it is an effective conversation in the same way as I would say that to our volunteers on the street of being careful how you engage with people. Yeah, so those are helpful things to think of. And and certainly, like you said, um, you know, something we're trying to be cognizant of when we're on the streets as well. But having conversations in the streets is is in many ways very different than what we're doing on the uh, sort of social media, social media platforms. And so I wonder, as I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm putting myself in the shoes of someone who might be like, okay, I haven't done this before, but um, maybe I'll take a stab at it. I'll give it a shot. I'll try to have a conversation. I'll see how it goes. How can I get started? How can I sort of um, think, okay, so I, I want to get started. I want to um, to have these conversations. Where do I begin? How do I think, you know, should I be equipped in any way? How, how can I get started? That's a really good question. Um, one of the biggest things I'd encourage people to do is get the training in the same way, again, as we do for in-person activism, but we have an online action team that's providing training and support to people who are engaging in these conversations. And so that's a great place to start with the training on listening to this podcast. Hopefully we can give you guys some good tips to get started with. Um, And then really putting it into practice, I think is where you grow. Blaze had some thoughts on kind of what those steps look like of getting confident. And I'd love to throw it to him um, and see what he has to say about that. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I think, when I think about acquiring skills in general, and I think this is true about apologetics, you know, you usually start with, uh, with the first stage where you just don't have the skills, right? Like you don't know the apologetics, you don't know what to, what to say. The second stage is kind of like when you have the skills, but you don't really know how to use them yet. I think of a band that I used to play in and this guitarist, he was a great guitarist, but he kept wanting to shred these solos during these quiet folk songs that my friend was saying, it's like, maybe that's not the right time and place for it, you know? And 
that third stage is when you have that kind of maturity or that wisdom to be like, all right, I've got the tools, but I know when to use them. So in the context of social media conversations, you know, the first mistake is not having the apologetics. Um, but once you have the apologetics, the next mistake is, you know, trying to do it all at once, right? Like the, the equivalent of trying to shove the guitar solo in the song is, you know, you see a pro-choice comment and you go and you give a whole pro-life treatise on like absolutely everything that they said and how it was all wrong and all the arguments the other that they missed and the pro-choice arguments maybe they didn't bring up but they might bring up next and how you can respond to those you know and like doing it all at once and i mean put yourself in the shoes of the person on the receiving end right like if you just shared your opinion on something that you're passionate about on social media and somebody comes back with like a three thousand word essay that includes like 17 footnotes, like you're not very likely to be persuaded, right? So um, that wisdom to know how to use the apologetics, like I think the number one tip that I have learned when engaged in these conversations is to keep it simple and to try and go one point at a time, right? Like if I'm going to start a conversation, I'm going to ask one question or do one round of kind of common ground analogy question and try and keep the conversation as narrow as possible, especially when getting things uh, started. You know, I've, I've got this apologetics in the background, but I'm gonna take one argument off the shelf and see if I can use that to get a conversation going. Yeah, and for those who are starting out, like Blaze has been doing this a lot longer than I have, um, but that was a really helpful tip for me as well of just narrow that conversation, really ask like one question and expect them to reply. I think sometimes we think we have to monologue of like, I'm not gonna get a good reply even if I ask the question, but I think if we keep it narrow, then people are more likely to reply and to just encourage people that you can move through those three steps of becoming proficient in a fairly short amount of time. If you're being intentional about, okay, I'm going to look at the comments that I've put, I'm going to figure out how I'm going to make the next comment better. Um, or even just editing your comments before you put them up, taking some time to think about that is really helpful as well. Yeah. And one of the things that's great about online activism, I mean, in, so in general, even if we're doing street activism, you need the training to be effective, but you need like a few hours worth of training. You don't need like to take a whole like four month course or something. Um, for online conversations, you have the benefit that a lot of them don't necessarily happen in real time, right? So if you're keeping it short and you're keeping it narrow and you're like, okay, I'm going to uh, find common ground on this one thing and then ask this one question and you see how someone responds, you have time. Like you're not standing with them face to face on the street. You have time to think about your reply, to ask a friend to, uh, you know, if you're part of the online action team, you go to the team for feedback or, um, you know, with Toronto Against Abortion, we have some of our volunteers who will sometimes come to our, 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 uh, our group chat and say like, I'm having this conversation on social media. I don't know how to respond to this. Like you have that opportunity to get feedback when you're taking things one step at a time in an online conversation as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's so important for people to be aware of that, that there isn't necessarily that time pressure. We, we've worked with volunteers, Quinn, obviously you have a ton of experience with this, especially as we focused on door knocking about how like that, that first moment matters. And, and obviously all of us have that experience from Choice Chain where if you don't get that second question in, you might lose that person entirely. To be able to have that opportunity uh, of reflection and throw it into, Quinn, you've mentioned the, the online action team. We have this WhatsApp group that we've got a, a dozen or so people in who can help out with conversations as it goes 
Blaze, just a funny anecdote. I, I love seeing you and, and reading your comments on, on Facebook, especially where I, I see them most often, especially with one of the, the friends of the program, Sam, who will post different stuff and everyone will, will be having this big, long discussion. I'll just see Blaze's question and they're cut to the heart of the conversation and then just like either an argument unravels or or builds up but it's not like you said it's not link dropping it's not putting a million different like hour-long youtube videos in there of like if only you listened to this entire thing if only you read the entirety of the bible and the collected history of mankind you would know that that this was incorrect kind of thing but but just a laser focus on on one point or another so i think that's a great point but Quina, that kind of brings me to my next question that, that i know that you've spent a lot of time not only thinking about but also mentoring members of our online action team over and it's a matter of what questions should we be or what comments or questions should we be engaging on and how should we be discerning because there's any number of things that we could angle our attention towards on social media and i'm curious how you go through the process of discerning where your time is best spent when it comes to engaging different accounts, different um, people, different kinds of questions online. Yeah, um, I think that you can spend a ton of time if you engage with every single comment that's put up. And so if you are being wise with your time and picking where you can be most effective, I think that's helpful. I often think about the analogy of just going fishing and how you cast your line out a lot more times than you actually reel a fish in. And I often think about doing that when I'm responding to comments. I think that most comments um, are worth at least one response, whether that's just to give the person your time and attention, um, or whether it's even just to clarify for that invisible audience on a point that has maybe been brought up before. Maybe you've had a discussion with the person who brought it up but people who are reading through may not know um, how that point works out in our activism or in our conversations. And so I'll usually give everybody one reply and then based on what they come back with, if they're at, I'll just see if they're actually looking to have a good conversation and I'll carry it on from there. Um, that could look like leaving 10 replies and getting two conversations that are more of an ongoing conversation. Um, really depends on on the day and who's on there. Absolutely, yeah, I I, I second that for sure. And um, sometimes uh, I will go fishing on you know a pro life post, uh, say from CCBR's account or uh, or something that I've posted. But one place that I like to go fishing as well is in the public conversation where it's already happening. So. Uh, I'm a user of Twitter and Reddit, and both of those are more kind of uh, public discussion forums rather than kind of your own personal social network kind of thing, like a, like like Facebook. And um, I have an advanced search that I have bookmarked on Twitter, which is you know like pro life or pro choice or graphic images or fetus or all these terms, and you know. Toronto or U of T or Ryerson or Union Station or within 30 miles of Toronto, like something for the location. And I get a huge stream of fish who are talking about the abortion issue, oftentimes because they've seen our activism around the city. Or if it's on Reddit, I'll go to the Toronto subreddit. Or when we had an internship in London, I was monitoring the London subreddit. And every now and then I'll search for the term abortion or I'll keep an eye on the headlines. When those conversations start, I will often join in and cast my line into those streams. Uh, 
you know, who is making a comment. Uh, it, it's also helpful if somebody has gone and posted a photo of activism and doing some of our work for us and, and making those photos visible. But, you know, who might be open to conversation here? Um, who said something that is false and not true? And I might have an opportunity to uh, charitably correct or, you know, provide some of that apologetics or information into a conversation that is already happening. Join it and cast my line there. That sounds great. Okay, so uh, you guys have given some pretty helpful tips, moderating our tone, making sure that we're we're not just speaking to the person we're commenting to, but sort of to a broader silent audience, being concise, not writing our essay and, and link dropping and having a sort of link war. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my professional says this and they respond with my professional says this and it goes on and it's very ineffective and zero people read it because it's so long. Um, I wonder though, so when I've looked at some of our social media platforms and the comments that they generate, a lot of the comments are from people who we would consider trolls, um, whether they would themselves or not, but they, they sort of have a mission of following CCBR and the pro-life guys podcast and some of these other pro-life organizations commenting on everything being sort of, um, yeah, trying to, trying to be as sort of out there as possible with the comments, painting a, a certain picture of us that doesn't happen to be true at all. Um, do you have any sort of tips in terms of responding to the trolls? Because, you know, if you respond to someone who has a, gen a, a, a specific question, they're genuinely curious about something, that seems pretty easy. Um, you know, you make the comment and you can sort of have a bit of a dialogue back and forth with someone who's willing to uh, learn and engage with you. But it seems like there's a lot of trolls as well. So do we respond to them? Do we not respond to them as well? As you mentioned, Quiana, giving them at least one comment, um, even for the, the most ridiculous of comments that they post on our platform, on our, our pages. Um, so do we respond? Do we not respond? How do we select who we respond to? Um, yeah, uh, Quiana, help us out here. Yeah, I think that it depends on the troll. I like to just pay attention to the conversations they're having. Um, I know the conversations that I've had with a lot of them. And I do remember them when that comment pops up with their name again. I'm like, okay, we've already talked about some of this. Um, and I often like to give a bit of context of the conversation that we've already had and then just pick up in the same place so that we don't end up rehashing over and over again the first um, little bit of the conversation, but rather can move forward um, from where we left off. And so that might be like last time we talked about the science um, and when human life begins, which is right at the moment of fertilization. Um, so if we can agree that this is a human being, don't you think all human beings should get human rights and kind of pick up still giving the context to anybody who might be reading and may not have seen our past conversation? I'd say that you have to be discerning. I'd much rather um, jump into a conversation with someone who hasn't had the opportunity to have a conversation if I'm only going to be able to talk to one person today. But some of my favorite conversations have been ongoing conversations with trolls. Um, I think of one that I've been having in the DMs for like more than a year now. And we just go back and forth whenever something kind of comes up and are able to give each other that different perspective. So I really appreciate talking with trolls on some occasions. Nice. Yeah, I, I have no patience for that, but kudos to you. I'm glad you do. Um, so one of the things you mentioned was um, the, the human rights argument. Do you believe all humans uh, sh should get human rights? Um, and I'm, I was thinking about that in light of an earlier comment made about being concise, asking that simple, single, sort of simple, concise uh, question that gets to the heart of the matter. 
Is that the question? Is there another question? What sort? What should be sort of a first response? Um, and I know like a first response, there's, there's a thousand different comments that, and they're all different and they, you know, there's nuance and everything, but is this, is this where you're taking it right away? How are you responding, um, uh, to perhaps personal attacks or, um, someone taking the worst case scenario and making that the justification for all abortions? How do we respond blaze? Yeah. So just like in, in-person conversations, um, the human rights argument I think of as the anchor that I want to center a conversation on and I want to drop that anchor as soon as possible. So that's kind of my go-to at first, unless the comment, um, you know, brings something specific up, you know, like if, if a comment was like, you know, that's not even a human being, I might be more likely to make my one question like, well, what species is it? As opposed to uh, talking about human beings getting human rights. So if there's something specific that I can work with in the comment, I might use that, but my default and my most common one is the human rights argument. And then when we're in person, we ask it as a series of questions, right? Do you believe in human rights? Uh, who should get them? If two humans reproduce, what species is their offspring? Doesn't it logically follow that abortion is a human rights violation, right? Depending on how you count, it could be three or four questions. Um, when I'm online, I will try to uh, bring that into a single question, um, like, I might, I might ask, do you believe in human rights as a kind of an opener and see if just someone's willing to actually have a real conversation, a good faith dialogue at all. Or I might try and uh, pack a little bit more into a single question. Like, do you think human rights are for some of us or, like, like, or for all of us or just for some of us? You know, something like that, that kind of, um, you know, or, you know, do you think human rights are for all human beings or just some human beings? It's like one way to kind of pack it all into one question that can uh, be more concise for an Instagram or Twitter comment, but some form of the human rights argument is my go-to most often. And if it's not the first thing, I'm going to look for the next earliest opportunity to introduce that into the conversation. I think that makes a ton of sense, Blaze. And, and to tie this together with a bit of the conversation about engaging with trolls, I, I think about the people who... I, I don't know how to say this eloquently, but but the, the protesters, the counter-protesters that we often engage with on street corners, I, I think about how often those people are, are at times the most wounded, those who are carrying the most baggage based on their experience with abortion and how that has shaped their lives and whatnot. And I try to keep that in mind when I'm engaging with, with what we would call trolls online. And I wonder... Tying both that that emotional baggage that so many trolls and, and other people may be carrying into the conversation, along with this need to stay concise and to have the conversation develop, I, I wonder what your thoughts, Blaze, and, and maybe we'll throw it to Quina afterwards, because I'm sure you, you've got a lot as well, Quina, to, to add on to this. But when it comes to managing tone, we've, we've touched on this a little bit about how important it is to try to convey charity and, and an appropriate tone in these conversations, just like we would on a street corner or on a doorstep. Whether it's engaging with somebody that you've engaged with, Gwen, a million times over, or Blaze, whether it's engaging somebody for the first time when, when you're going through Twitter and trying to location-orient a conversation and whatnot, what kind of tools do you want to keep in mind um, that can help ensure that we're maintaining a, a charitable and productive tone in our conversation rather than falling into the, the, the constant temptation on social media to kind of dehumanize the person behind the other keyboard or, or, or um, phone and, and treat them as 
uh, is so often easy to do online. Blaze, I'll throw that to you first, and maybe Quan, if you want to jump in afterwards. But just that that tone and charity. How do you steep your your comments or conversations? I guess in that. So first perspective and then tone, because I think the perspective is necessary for the tone. Just echo that about, it's just like counter protesters with trolls online. They're often the people who are the most wounded. And when we can remember that, um, when we remember our heart apologetics, uh, we can shift from seeing these ridiculous comments and thinking like, what's wrong with you? To, think, to, to seeing these comments and thinking, okay, what happened to you? Right, like what might be going on, um, or what might you have experienced that leads you to lash out in this callous way, or kind of make light of a serious topic like abortion? And we have that perspective that the people who are often saying the worst things are probably the most hurting. That is super helpful because then we realize it's not about trying to hit back or score some more points, but it's all right. How can I? How can I get through? Um, to this person? How can I not mirror any of that harshness or animosity? And it's tough to do on social media because you don't have that body language and, and, and tone of voice. So I go out of my way um, when all I have is the written word um, to try and establish common ground, to try and show that I wish the other person well. I have, you know, I have no desire to insult them and things like that. So, um, uh, you know, whether that's saying things like, hey, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to leave a comment. Um, you know, I really appreciate this or like like kind of going out of your way to be friendly and courteous at the start or, you know, to to if you're making a challenging point um, to frame it in such a way where it's like, um, uh, what do you think of that? Um, like, does that make sense to you? Like, you know, verbal things that can soften uh, the apologetics when somebody might be assuming that we're there to strike back or to condemn or judge, right. Or to go, uh, out of my way to make explicit, um, things that I want them to know. It's you know, like, 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 Hey, I have no desire to insult you. Uh, you seem like a really smart person. You seem really passionate. You're caring about this. Like, I'm just curious, what do you think about this? And asking a question, right? So it's not just not mirroring back the insult, but it's like trying to find some kind of compliment in response to an insult if I can, right? Um, now, there's only so much space and time, so I'm not doing all that all at once in response to every comment, but to do those kinds of things to try and disarm someone and change the tone of the conversation from how it starts off with a kind of trollish comment to have the conversation in the way that I want it to be, to model that civil tone, to show respect and go out of my way to do it. and. Um, sometimes the trolls won't respond and they'll just keep going in bad faith. And then it's about exiting the conversation. But, uh, sometimes you can set the tone and bring them along to have a productive conversation. If you model what that's like and show that you're not going to model any animosity, I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. And I think that also really shows good faith to those who are watching or, or listening in, um, in that invisible audience as well, because they see, Wait, this person isn't here to have a fight. This person isn't here to call names. They actually have a point that they're trying to share. Um, sometimes I've had conversations switch to who I'm actually talking with, that it starts with someone who isn't actually there to engage in the conversation, but has um, kind of that background baggage that they're just looking to vent at that time. 
Um, and then somebody else jumps on who actually did want to have the conversation and actually wanted to see where you're going with the question. So that's always really cool. I've also had times when I shift away from the invisible audience because someone shares something that is personal. I've had a conversation where someone shared that they were going to have an abortion. And I right away jumped into the private messages with them for their sake, because I don't think that they're going to want everybody online seeing this conversation. I don't think they're going to open up um, in the same way as they would. And I've done that in other conversations too, um, just sending them a message of like, I've so enjoyed talking with you. And I'm just curious, like, can I ask what led you to these conclusions or um, why you're passionate about this cause? And so I guess keeping the invisible audience in mind sometimes and sometimes just zooming in on that person you're talking with. That sounds really good. And that reminds me of a conversation that we had way back at the very beginning of the podcast with Laura Clausen. And we were asking her about some of these folks as well, some of these trolls as well. And she said, yeah, they're trolls, but they get pregnant too. And that really, you know, stuck out to me. And that really highlights sort of what you guys are saying in that, yes, they might sort of have nefarious, uh, <laughs> sort of, they're not trying to engage in a good faith conversation, uh, but being kind to them and responding with respect to them. Yes, you're recognizing that there's an inv invisible audience, but you're also recognizing their humanity as well and trying to show that in the conversations you have, bringing it to the DMs when there are personal things coming up. And so that's really, really good. Now, sometimes, um, and perhaps with these same conversations or with others as well, you get personal attacks. You get people who attack your character. Uh, Blaze, uh, we had some, you, you were just on uh, a Humans of the Pro-Life Movement episode with us on the podcast. And on Instagram, there were some uh, pretty colorful descriptions of your character and your person. I'm glad I, I know you uh, better than, than, that, than that. But they like to get creative in the way that they describe you and have these personal attacks. How do you respond to these personal attacks? Are you, are you responding to them directly and being like, you know, I have like 20 friends and they all say that's not true. Um, where are you going with that conversation? Um, yeah, I think that personal attacks, the first thing I'd say is not to take personal attacks personally, um, but rather to realize that this person has, has a problem with abortion and has a problem with um, seeing these images. And so starting with that of like, they may be directing this onto me, but it doesn't really make sense that they're upset at me because they don't know me at all. Um, and so starting with that, that perspective shift, I'd say, and then I like to actually, um, just show the aspect of this isn't about me. And so I'll often just assume the worst and say, okay, so what if I was the terrible person that you think I am? Um, would that mean that abortion is right? Because I'm saying it's wrong. And if I'm a terrible person, what I say must not be right. Um, we wouldn't do that with a different issue. Like I think about racism. If somebody who was not, did not have a good character um, and a good reputation said that racism is wrong, it wouldn't follow that because of that statement, racism is actually a good thing. Rather, we would look at the issue itself um, and weigh it on its own merits. And so that is how I kind of look at it in the conversation. Let's actually evaluate whether abortion is right or wrong rather than whether I'm a good person or a terrible person. And so I'll kind of not skirt around the issue, but just redirect back to the topic 
that we were talking about. I know sometimes with like little mistakes like typos or whatever, that can almost turn into a personal attack too. You feel like you can't post anything without editing it um, and making sure it's absolutely perfect. But I've had a few times where I just kind of be personable and recognize the fact I make mistakes. I'll say something like, I am so sorry, I was typing way too fast and clearly should have spell checked that or something like that. And it actually turns into a better conversation because they realize like, oh, wait a minute, there isn't a computer on the other end. There's a person who makes mistakes just like me and is acknowledging that and just being present in the conversation. And so sometimes you can even take what could be a personal attack and rather make it into ground for an even better discussion and for them to relate to you a little bit better, I guess. I think that makes a ton of sense, Quinn. I'm going to throw it over to you, Blaze, just for a couple of thoughts on you as well. But one thing that springs to my mind is that um, not that we should be treating conversations about abortion like a game, but I, I think about it sometimes like smack talk. When when I'm um, playing sports, which I often do, um, it is far easier to fall into um, criticizing the other team when you are behind, when you're trying to get them off of their game, when you feel like you've lost a step and you're trying to even the playing field by getting inside their head or something like that. Often that's not done out of malice. Um, I must admit that when I'm playing, I play a lot of baseball and regardless of whether my team is ahead or behind, I am often talking to the batter to partly because they're friends, but also partly to get inside their head. Um, sorry for any of my baseball league guys that are listening and, and you think that I'm just being a friend. No, I'm trying to get inside your head as well. And, but I'm not doing it out of malice. It's not like I'm trying to be mean to them or like, it's not like their job is on the line or something like that. I, I think that, accepting that some of the commentary that is coming from people behind their keyboards is probably not they're fuming mad and kicking walls and they just want like your expedient death kind of thing but rather they think that they're just having fun by posting weird comments and and that sort of thing so that, that's something that springs to my mind but blaze what do you think about that yeah i mean like you have to remember that the trolls don't know you um I presume <laughs> maybe sometimes they do. And then it's a personal relationship kind of thing, but usually it's a stranger who's talking in that kind of way. And, um, I often think of the same technique that I learned from CCBR way back when as an undergrad student for in-person conversations, which is just to focus on being proactive rather than reactive. So when someone hurls an insult at me, um, I'm not thinking, how can I defend against that? I'm thinking, how can I, kind of jujitsu style pull instead of push? How can I bring this back to the topic at hand? So, um, uh, you know, classic example is the kind of uh, how many children have you adopted sort of thing. And like, I suppose if you've actually been involved in adoption, there's an opportunity for some common ground there. But the proactive response to redirect would be, okay, let's assume that I have never and will never adopt any children in my life how does that make it okay for someone else to kill an innocent human being, right? And just, um, you know, kind of not engaging with the ad hominem, not feeling a need to hit back, but just seeing, okay, how can I swing this in the direction that I want this conversation to go proactively, bring it back on topic and just kind of, yeah, jujitsu style pull in the right direction rather than feeling the need to push back. Yeah, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And with that, I'm sure that that at some point you're, you're trying to manage your tone, you're trying to engage them in an effective way. 
But at some point, I'm sure that you get to a breaking point when you realize that your time is better spent on other comments, on other engagement. And I'm wondering, um, Blaze, maybe we'll, we'll throw that to you and then Quanna, you can, you can jump in as well on how do you, so, so we've talked about discerning how to get into a conversation. How do you know that it's time to get out of a conversation and how do you do that, right? Because it, it's tricky to do online just as much as it is to do in person because you don't want to just leave a conversation hanging entirely because then it seems like you didn't have an answer to that question. What would you suggest for discernment and extraction from conversations? Right. It's that classic um, XKCD comic, the obligatory uh, duty calls. You know, someone is wrong on the internet kind of thing and you're just on the computer until like all hours in the morning. Um, I think that when you've discerned that, okay, we've covered all this ground, we're going in circles, I've tried everything, I can't bring this further, or this person isn't responding in good faith anymore, like they're just, they're just turning to insults and I've tried a whole bunch of times to get them back on track. Like when for whatever reason you've discerned that your time is better spent elsewhere, um, you can, like, like the risk to avoid is you don't want to always feel like you need to get the last word in. Um, so you can kind of leave a final comment that says like, you know, all right, this is going to be my last reply. Like, thanks so much for the conversation and like, say the final point you want to make. And like, um, I appreciate the opportunity, uh, to chat, you know, peace. I wish you well, um, that kind of closing comment. So you've sort of signed off the conversation and for the invisible audience, for your own blood pressure and for everything else, you know, you've, you've made your exit. Um, I'm, I'm a fan also of a kind of conditional last reply. If I see there's a way to bring it forward, like, like, all right, look, I have no interest in insulting you. Like, I I have no ill will towards you. I, I wish you well. I'd love to continue this conversation. You know, I've asked you uh, three times what species uh, the the preborn child is, and and you haven't given me an answer. Um, I'd love to continue the conversation if you'd like to engage. If not, then this will be my last comment. Um, I wish you well. Peace. Right. So that kind of conditional last reply leaving it open to continue the conversation if they're willing to change their tone, but you've signed off if they're just going to keep trolling. Yeah. I love that kind of conditional last reply that Blaze is suggesting. And just also how compassionate that is of like, I'm not done with you as a person. I'm just noticing that this conversation isn't productive anymore. Um, I often think about something that Cam, you've said in the past, to about if someone has swung so far um, that they're making really ridiculous statements, um, not burying that. I think about a few of the statements that are probably the most horrifying of like eating babies or things like that. Um, and actually letting that hang there as much as like, I don't wanna see that. I don't think people scrolling through really want to see that. Um, and I think that it shows kind of a desperate attempt to argue a point that isn't really going anywhere. Um, but letting that hang there can sometimes challenge people on the pro-choice side that this isn't something I want to associate with. Um, and so if it swung really far that way, I think sometimes you can actually just, just leave it to speak for itself of like, I'm not sure that I would agree there um, as people are scrolling through. Thank you for that. Um, I'd like to get into some examples as well. Um, just some examples that I took from our own social media uh, accounts and see how you would respond to them briefly. I wonder, Blaze, um, if you can talk about sort of taking into taking your time into consideration as well, recognizing um, your own social media friends. I know you're pretty particular 
uh, being someone who is an expert at many things, uh, music, technology, activism, and probably a host of a, a theology lessons and, and being a student for life and everything else along those lines. Um, I know that you've emphasized in the past the importance of sort of um, sort of being present in the areas that you're in. So when you're when you're playing music, um, you're not talking about abortion all night long, but you're just enjoying. You're playing whatever sort of music you you enjoy playing. Um, and I'm sure you would say something like this online as well, that when we're engaging people, when we're interacting with others on social media, we're not being this sort of, um, you know, one issue person who only cares about the one issue and um, anyone else, you know, if you don't like a serious conversation, you can unfriend me. Um, so I'm just wondering if you could talk about the, the personal considerations, considering uh, putting into consideration how much time we have, um, the other friends that are on our platforms and so on. Yeah, for sure. Um, on the on the time, I think it's kind of uh, uh, just a quick comment. You know, um, some of these conversations can last for days when you do catch a fish. Um, so uh, it might take many opportunities to get a conversation, but it might go on for a while. So just pacing yourself. You know, just 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 uh, don't cast that line until you have the time or you have the space or you've recovered from the last conversation. You know, don't spread yourself too thin and then and then get frustrated and then give up on those conversations for a while. You can pace yourself. There will always be more conversations. Um, in terms of personal considerations, when it comes to like personal social media accounts, I think it's a question of um, like being a real human being, as you say, like not just a one issue thing and, 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 and being a witness. So, um, you know, take some other topic. Like if you had a friend and all they ever posted about was veganism, that's all they ever posted about. Like, unless you have some kind of offline relationship with them, you're not going to pay attention to those posts. Like soon enough, you're going to hit the ignore button or whatever, right? Uh, like unless you're already interested in the subject. Um, so it helps to be a real human being. And um, but 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 that can mean uh, sharing your pro-life views at times. And I think like I encourage people uh, to do that if you can. Like when you have real relationships with people, you've got friendships. You're in a unique position to reach people in your social circles through your social media accounts. And to be prepared and to decide to start a conversation about abortion can be a way to bring the pro-life message to them. I think it's also a discernment question because, you know, some people might be uh, might be working in a field where um, uh, where there might be challenges in sharing a pro-life view publicly on personal social media accounts, and you know there are different ways to do that sort of thing, like something like Twitter or Reddit. Um, Anonymity is normal. People don't necessarily use their real names there. And you can have those conversations as opposed to using your personal Facebook account. Um, or, uh, or you can use your personal Facebook account and selectively choose when you're going to do that. One of the things that I've done as well over the last few years is um, I, I've kind of put my pro-life friends into a list on Facebook. So sometimes I'll post things that are just for pro-lifers when I'm trying to recruit or trying to ask questions and I want to have a kind of internal conversation within the movement and I don't want to have the debate and other times I will post publicly and then I'm like all right I am ready for anyone who comes at me about abortion like I have carved out time in my schedule to have the abortion conversation this week you know so just being intentional about that stuff can help to avoid burnout and help make sure that you're not um, uh, you're not putting yourself in an awkward position but you're intentionally bringing the pro-life uh, message to as many places as you can. All right. Okay, guys, this has been really helpful. 
Um, but I'd like to get to some really practical examples. So I went to our social media uh, posts and I just took four uh, comments that I saw on there. I don't think anyone had responded to them other than other folks who agreed uh, with the comments. But I'd love to hear what you would, um, how you would respond, where you would try to take this conversation. So here's the first one. I'll start with you, Quiana. Um, and I quote, you can't give human rights to a fetus without stripping them from the pregnant person. But you don't actually care about every life. End quote. So a few things here. Um, you can't give human rights to a fetus uh, unless you're actually taking those human rights away from the mother. Um, the pregnant person is a politically correct phrase that I don't use. Um, and then it's like, you don't actually care about every human life. So in a, a sort of uh, comment about, about your position, give me your, your question, your statement. How would you respond to that? Yeah. Um, for starters, I'd skip the last part of you don't care about every life because I just want to demonstrate that rather than um, defending myself there. Um, and I'd probably start with a question kind of like Blaze asked earlier of like, should all human beings get human rights or just some of them? Um, I really want to flesh out whether or not they're looking at a fetus as a human being um, to begin with. But then I think where I'm going to aim this question is towards talking about the hierarchy of rights. And if we do have two people whose rights are um, in conflict, then how do we handle that situation? Um, and talking about the fact that the right to life is a very basic right um, that we can't have the other rights without. And so just challenging them of, can we give both people basic rights and then build from there? Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, very clear, very simple questions. Um, so that's really, really helpful. Blaze, this one's for you. Here's another comment. And I quote, abortion isn't wrong. It's a life-saving healthcare for human beings with human rights, end quote. And now I know, you know, you'll notice this as well, and but I'll just say it for, um, for our audience. Um, one of the things that this post is getting at, even though it's not saying it specifically, is sort of abortion is okay in terms of, you know, health of the mother, right? That's what we're talking about. It's life-saving healthcare. Obviously, not every abortion is life-saving healthcare, but certainly some instances. And so are we getting into a medical conversation here about um, sort of like the medical ethics around abortion, whether it's it's necessary or are we bringing in Dr. Anthony Laventino, the for former abortionist testimony? Are we bringing in the Dublin Declaration, um, which is signed by over a thousand medical professionals saying that abortion is not medically necessary? Or are we going another route? Where are we taking this conversation? Right. I'm taking that another route. I'm keeping all that stuff in my back pocket, right? Like I'm ready to bring that up. But just because somebody's left a comment like that, it doesn't like they could be really focused on that situation or they could be making a general comment to justify all all abortions. You know, it says abortion isn't wrong. So I would I would be looking at one thing in there that I could ask a question about, see if I can get a conversation going. And um, it might depend on what the post actually is, but I would be tempted to pick that sort of life saving healthcare and try and bring a challenge of the injustice of abortion to get a conversation going and see how they respond. So um, I, I might ask a question like, um, uh, uh, you know, how is it life-saving healthcare if one of the two human beings is killed by the act of abortion, right? Um, now, I, I, I was gonna phrase that initially just like, um, like uh, it, it, 
in, in a way like, um, you know, is it life-saving healthcare if one of the human beings is killed? And I, I softened it a little bit because I don't have a tone of voice, right? So I, I want to make that same challenge, but soften it in a way that it doesn't come across too sharply. But that, that would be like a real challenge. Um, you know, if there is a photo of activism or, or abortion victim photography anywhere in the post, I might be able to reference that. But that would be one angle I would take. Um, if that seems too direct for the person, then I might pick on the uh, human beings with human rights and, and say something like Quiana did for the last one and be like, um, you know, do you think all human beings should get human rights or just some of them? But either way, I'm picking like, you know, one, one question to cast my line with and see how they'll respond. It, and then if it narrowly goes to medical ethics, I've got stuff like Dr. Anthony Levitino in the Dublin Declaration in my back pocket to be able to start talking about that. But chances are that conversation could really go in any direction. I wanna see how they're gonna to respond uh, to something more central to the immorality of abortion, about human rights or the fact that it kills another human being. Yeah, that's that was, that was the beauty of that question that you asked is regardless of how they answer, you are getting at the heart of the matter, right? If they say, but they're not human or something along those lines, then you have a bit of a conversation on, okay, who are preborn children um, in light of what abortion does to them? So, but you mentioned the pictures, um, Blaze, that you may be able to reference on the post. Now, CCBR, the organization we work for, um, we put abortion victim images on our social media platforms. And sometimes we get comments against those as well, like this one, Quiana, which says, and I quote, maybe don't use fake pictures and then a bunch of uh, clown emojis, end quote. How would you respond to that? Where would you take that? Would you sort of so show them the affidavits by the Center for De uh, Bioethical Reform and, and sort of all the proof that these are in fact actually images? Where would you take this conversation when you're online? Yeah, I would not start with going to the affidavits um, in that that can oftentimes start the link dropping aspect of rather than having the conversation here, you've got to go to another place. Um, I would usually start by just asking them like, okay, so what do you think that a fetus of this age would look like after an abortionist finishes with them and get them to really think through that for themselves? I'd encourage them like, why don't you look up if you don't think this picture is accurate? Why don't you look up what a fetus of that age looks like and look up what abortion procedures entail and just kind of leave it at that. Um, if they really want to push further into the pictures, obviously we do have the resources to share with them of how we got these pictures, how we know that they're reliable um, and the authorities that have backed them up from abortionists to um, the photographer and things like that but I generally wouldn't start with that approach. Yeah, so you're starting with that simple question. You're starting with a challenging question. Again, that gets to the heart of the matter. If you, um, so if any of our listeners are thinking about joining our online action team or uh, just doing engagement them, uh, yourself, um, these questions are particularly useful to write down, maybe go back, jot them down, um, because you might be able to use these particular ones or a variation of them in the conversations that you have. All these questions really, getting to the heart of the issue and really sort of showing the, the care and concern you have for that person and, um, and being a witness to the silent audience as well. Blaze, one more for you. And I quote, so basically what you're doing is forcing young girls to have babies. Sounds very pro-life to me. End quote. This is a big, it's a big one. I mean, we hear this in the streets all the time. This is one of the main justifications we hear for abortion. Um, how, you know, would you point to the fact that, you know, a certain percentage of pregnancies are, 
are within you know a particular age group uh where are you taking this conversation so when that's happening on the streets i want to challenge that framing right the whole like forcing young girls to have babies like like that is like all we are saying is that if somebody already has a baby that we shouldn't kill them right like the only situation where you'd be forcing someone to have a baby would be in the case of sexual assault which is totally wrong and we are totally against but on social media as a first comment, when I haven't even caught the fish, when I'm not even in a conversation with someone, um, I'm not sure that I'd even um, necessarily have the space for that. Like maybe I'd say something like that for the, for the invisible audience, but I'd be more inclined to just ask a question to see if they're willing to have a conversation with me. So, uh, uh, so basically what you're doing is forcing young girls to have babies. Sounds very pro-life to me. I'd ask, um, do you think abortion is okay in all situations or only some? Right? Something like that. It's not even sort of directly responding to, to, to any of their framing. Like, I want to be in a conversation with them before I can address that adequately. I just, I'm just going to try and get them in conversation. Like, like it, it, it's, it's a way of asking, like, do you think it's only if a mother is, is really young that it's wrong? Or do you think abortion is okay in any circumstance? Like something like that, open-ended question. It's basically a version of how we'd start conversations on the street. Like, what do you think about abortion? Um, I'm just being a little more specific. Do you think abortion is, is okay in any situation or only some situations? And see if they will engage more productively and, and start a dialogue. That's where I'd probably go with that one. Perfect. Well, folks, thank you so much for that. As I wrap this up, I'm just wondering, is there any final comments that you might have on any of the things we talked about? Any final encouragement, perhaps, on why doing this sort of engagement is helpful, is useful, is something that we as pro-lifers should do. Any final comments before I wrap this up? Yeah, so when I've talked about online apologetics with people before, um, you know, I realize that sometimes I just assume that it's worthwhile because I've been having these conversations online, about, I mean, about abortion for 18 years or something, but on, on all sorts of topics, like it makes sense. Like I, I spend so much time on the internet, it makes sense for me to have these conversations on the internet, but people will ask me, like, well, do you really think it's worthwhile? Like, like, you know, Facebook conversations are so counterproductive and I just like, wouldn't even think about starting the conversation there. And I guess I would just want to encourage people, especially if you keep some of these tips in mind, you know, despite how corrosive some conversations can be by default on social media, it doesn't have to be that way. And if we bring these apologetics and these dialogue strategies to conversations that may already be happening about abortion or to places where people are already putting their time and attention, um, we can have productive conversations that don't mirror what's awful about social media, but we can have fruitful and productive conversations when we put this stuff into practice. So I would just want to encourage people um, to give it a shot. Even if social media conversations seem awful at times, they don't have to be, and this is how you can make them very fruitful. Yeah, I think that I would agree with all of that. And I would just add for anybody who hasn't had the conversations yet or maybe has tried this on their own and have been intimidated by the process, um, one, that we would love to support them and have them join the team, walk with them through the points we've brought up, but others as well so that it feels doable. Um, but also just really challenging them that they can be part of these forums. Um, we have some volunteers on our team 
from different places. We have volunteers of different age groups and they're all doing an amazing job. Um, and I think that that variety of people also brings a strength of like different people are going to resonate and connect with different people. Um, different people have different life experiences. And so we need that kind of variety. This isn't just for um, young adults who are naturally on social media and finding themselves inclined um, to be there. If you want to join the team, even if you don't have a ton of experience, we would love to have you join us. Um, and you can make a difference. Learning those um, techniques and steps can seem really intimidating. Um, I know that I started almost two years ago now. And when I first started, I actually um, just started scrolling back through social media. I saw a bunch of the conversations Blaze had been having and other staff members. And I was like, okay, I think I can do this if I just kind of copy and paste almost. Um, and from there, I felt a lot more confidence and really started to hash out some of these principles for myself. And so feel free to start, even if you're not going to be perfect in starting. But I think a lot of the tone and the heart that we've talked about is just the right way to start um, so that you have the right intentions and really care about the person that you're talking to. This has been really helpful. This is a helpful reminder for me and hopefully it's helpful for all of our listeners as well. Quiana, Blaze, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us in the program. Thanks for having us on. Thanks so much for having us. Great conversation. That was a wonderful conversation with Blaze and Quiana. Very helpful uh, tips and uh, ideas and ways to think about how we can engage with others on the topic of abortion online. Cam, I know you have final thoughts because you always have final thoughts, but if you're going to include final thoughts, please include again um, just how we can get involved with the online action team and uh, anything else around that to, to wrap this up. Absolutely. So our online action team, again, we're going to have an application down in the show notes that you can apply to be a part of our team. Um, and what, what does it mean to be a part of the team? It means that you're going to be part of an online community of people who we have a WhatsApp group and a few other groups that we kind of share ideas and ask for support and, and guidance when it comes to conversations. We don't know if they're going the right way. We're going to have um, every Saturday I do some office hours where it's just an open invite to a video call where if you have questions or you want to practice your conversation skills or anything like that, you can come in for that. We're going to have suggestions for where people can get involved um, with online engagement. And we're also going to have practice dialogue, which is a, a new thing that we're going to be doing. Many of you who are involved in a local group or have done pro-life outreach before know the value of mock dialogue, having practice conversations back and forth with people. We are going to be doing that online. And how that's going to happen, a great, another colleague of ours, Kena Mendez-Campos, who's in Vancouver, great friend of ours. She is actually going to be helping people develop their written or text communication skills on the abortion issue by just messaging back and forth with you to help you hone your skills. And so you get a lot of support, you get a lot of guidance and, and pointed in the right direction. So please do apply to be a part of our online action team. Registration form is in the show notes. And a couple of thoughts that come out of this, Peter, I, I, I can't echo enough um, Blaze's sentiments of this conversation is already happening and we desperately need people to be a part of it. And in saying that, obviously, we're not saying stop going to your um, in-person outreach, stop door knocking, stop doing choice change, stop doing whatever in-person activism you're doing. That's not the point. 
absolutely you can never replace face-to-face conversations on the the issue of abortion however most people are not having conversations about abortion during their lunch hour during their coffee break at when they're they're sitting on the couch at 10 30 p.m after their show's done or whatever kind of thing use those opportunities to get involved um, and and do something productive on social media and use this for a tool for good and so there are a couple of things that stand out to me. Um, and then last thing I'll say, Peter, is just the importance of empathy online. I'm sure we've all not only seen, but had the temptation or even done it ourselves of being very harsh and very um, <laughs> reactionary online. It's very tempting. It can be very cathartic, but rarely is it productive, especially with the invisible audience. And so can't echo enough the sentiments of Kawana in the, the um, absolute importance of empathy online. Perfect. Love it. Thank you so much for that, sir. And as always, I feel like a broken record, but if you want to reach out to us, you can do so on our website, perlifeguys.com. There's a contact form there. Uh, You can reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and perhaps some others as well. I'm on like MeWe and Gab, but but, I mean, not many of you are on MeWe and Gab, so I don't spend a lot of time on there. But hey, um, don't forget to hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification if you're watching on YouTube. And... uh, yeah, we have a lot of cool episodes coming out. We ha- we've done some cool episodes in the past weeks. And I just want to reiterate what Blaze, Quiana, and Cam said uh, on the importance of getting involved online. The conversation's happening already. And there is a massive silent audience that is witnessing, not commenting, but witnessing how you're commenting, how you're reacting, and just looking at some of the, the interactions that are taking place online. So um, do it well, do it great. And, uh, and have those good conversations. Thank you so much. We're so grateful that you continue to tune in, that you listen to the program, and we hope you tune in again next time. Thank you.